I'm coming back to where I left off last time in Hebrews chapter 11 and it's the faith of Moses that we are continuing to think about this morning the faith of Moses it's Hebrews 11 and verse 27 by faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger he persevered because he saw him who was invisible by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel by faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land but when the Egyptians tried to do so they were drowned I know you young people have been doing Moses in Sunday school or your Bible class so you're very familiar with the life of Moses at the present time and it's on your mind but the writer to Hebrews is using Moses as an example of people who lived by faith and he's drawing to our attention three things in the life of Moses here in this section Uh, he's speaking to us about how Moses was obedient to the call of God he's speaking to us about how Moses uh, was particularly obedient in keeping the Passover uh, to bring God's people safely out of Egypt and thirdly he's speaking to us about the people led by Moses passing through the Red Sea God's miraculous deliverance of his people through the hand of Moses so we're Moses dwelling we're dwelling on Moses once again this morning he's so important in the Bible he was the greatest prophet he conversed directly with God he was the greatest lawgiver virtually everything in the life of the people of God in Old Testament times came from the pen of Moses as God directed him to record it. He's Israel's greatest historian. It's Moses who's given us the first five books of the Bible. So we have the story of the origins of mankind and the cataclysmic worldwide flood and all the things that matter about early life that people are still trying to understand, whereas we know it's been recorded by Moses, inspired by God. He was Israel's greatest deliverer, and that's particularly what we're going to think about today. But also, there's something else that's easily forgotten about Moses. He was an amazingly gifted man. We saw last time as we thought about him. He was trained and educated in the finest place in the world, in Egypt, the height of civilization of the age. And yet, the Bible says... He was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now that's an amazing statement for a man who was so influential, so well educated, so well trained, so important, such a great leader. It's very often the fact that those who are accomplishing great things are anything but humble. Just listen to our politicians at the moment telling us what they've done Uh, some things they don't tell us that they've done Uh, and yet here is Moses um, humble because he knew all that he was 
all that he'd done had been done by God's help. God made him what he was. And so when he was challenged, he reacted very patiently and gently. And so we're going to be reminded of this amazing act of faith uh, in the life of Moses. It's certainly a kind of anatomy of Christian faith that helps us today. And, And we need a living faith today because we face so many challenges coming to us from the secular and the unbelieving world. And it's impinging upon us through the media and through our education systems. And here is Moses. Remember, he's uh, growing up in the most sophisticated and advanced and wealthy nation in the ancient world. He's uh, probably living not far apart from the time of Tutankhamun. Some of you may have been and seen some of the treasures that came out of where Tutankhamun was buried. And uh, it, it just reminds us of how vastly rich Egypt in the time of Moses was. And for 40 years he'd enjoyed that. And he'd benefited from that. But then he had to leave. And he had to go and become a humble shepherd for 40 years in an unknown place. What a contrast in lifestyle. Going from leadership of a powerful nation, an influential prince, to becoming a shepherd in a lonely, deserted part of the world. But there was one thing that he kept in his heart, that wherever he was, he knew God was with him. Whether he was in affluence or in poverty, whether he was mixing in high society or in humble society. He always remembered the presence of God. And the writer here tells us in verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, but persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now the commentators give us um, different interpretations on uh, when this uh, uh, reference is to by faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger Um, we know that when he left Egypt the first time Moses feared saying surely this thing is known he took the law into his own hands and he killed an Egyptian Um, and consequently that's why he fled to Midian because it says there he was afraid I agree with those who don't think the reference to Moses here is then, but it's 40 years later when he comes back to Egypt. When there's a new pharaoh, a new pharaoh that doesn't know the good things that Joseph has done in the past, a new pharaoh that will have no respect for Moses, no respect for Moses' connection to the palace. And so I think the reference is that Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger with the people the second time. Now, what it's really saying to us is that Moses wasn't thwarted from God's call to lead his people out of Egypt by fear. And one of the first things Moses had to deal with was the fear that his people wouldn't stand with him. 
When he went back to uh, his own people, he came back from Midian into Egypt, and he shared with his people that God had called him to come back, and God had called him to take them out of Egypt. And uh, they were thrilled. This is what we've been dreaming of, somebody who's going to help us and deliver us from our enslavement in Egypt. Uh, But the thing was that every time that uh, Moses went into the presence of Pharaoh and said, let my people go, Pharaoh made things worse. And you know how that uh, the uh, slaves were making bricks? Once Moses had demanded freedom, the Pharaoh instituted that they had got to make bricks without having the straw provided. So they had to go and find the straw to make the bricks. So life was made much harder. And then his own people began to complain. But again, Moses did not fear his own people and their wagging tongues and uh, their lack of confidence in God's call to take them out of Egypt. So he stood up to that. He wasn't afraid of his own people. Even when his own people were confused and complaining about how hard it was making their life to get out of Egypt under Pharaoh. But he didn't fear Pharaoh. Remember, he's been living for 40 years uh, as a shepherd. And now he walks back into the palace. He's got no army. He's got no weapon. He's got his shepherd's crook. He's facing a proud monarch who reigns over the greatest empire of the world. And he walks in to meet Pharaoh face to face and says, God says, let my people go. That took courage. What backup had he got other than the word of the Lord? This is a man of faith and courage. We're told about John Knox, the Scottish reformer, that when asked how he could so boldly confront Queen Mary, the Roman Catholic Queen of Scotland, he replied to somebody who said, how can you do that? He says, one does not fear the Queen of Scotland when one has been on his knees before the King of Kings. You know, fear is one of Satan's most effective and most used weapons against God's people. We as Christians often are afraid of being thought different, of losing our reputation or our popularity. We don't like being criticised by our friends or from people around us because of what we believe and what we do and how we live. And Satan is constantly using that as a lever against individual Christians and against Christian churches. That's why we've got so-called Christendom making so many compromises. Luke chapter 12 says, I tell you, my friends, said the Lord Jesus, do not fear, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has, no, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. That's the words of the Lord Jesus. If we reverence God rightly and fear to offend him and disobey him, that helps us know that he is with us and he will help us face our enemies. 
the hymn by uh, Isaac Watts says, Fear him and then you will have nothing else to fear. Moses did not fear the wrath of the king. He didn't fall apart when Pharaoh refused. And we must have a kind of faith that has backbone, a faith that's prepared to stand firm in spite of criticism, in spite of threat. But the Bible's also telling us here that Moses persevered in obedience. Moses persevered, we're told, here in this passage. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, you need to think about why, why is he giving this, this reference to Moses' perseverance? Well, he persevered in faith when he was living for 40 years, simply married to a shepherdess. He might have married a princess. He might have had power in Egypt, but he was looking after his father and all sheep. But never in all those years did he forget his own people, the people of God. And his heart was with them. Even when his life was in Egypt, even when he was separated from them in a far country. But why does this matter of perseverance appear in this context? If you remember, when Moses went into Pharaoh to say, God says, let my people go the situation got worse. And Moses had to go back again and again to Pharaoh and make the same demand. How many of us would have given up after a couple of times when we saw it only made matters worse? And yet Moses obeyed. Eight times he goes back, having been rebuffed or having Pharaoh say he'd give in and then back down on his word. Pharaoh was utterly unreliable. And the message that Moses was taking seemed completely ineffective. But he persisted. He kept on doing what God wanted him to do. How could he do that? Well, Pharaoh's not going to be swayed by words alone, but by power. And God has already made Moses realise that. And you see, God had already told Moses that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So if Moses hadn't been told that, he would have gone into Pharaoh and he would have thought, well, I've done it once, I've done it twice, I've done it three times, and and, and, and it's not working. Pharaoh's not going to let the people go. What's the point of keep doing it? But he's already been told that this is what Pharaoh's going to react like. It's not that Pharaoh's in control. God's in control of Pharaoh. God knows what Pharaoh's going to be like when Moses goes to him. God is sovereign over Pharaoh's stubbornness. Moses' task is simply to bring the message that God has given him to Pharaoh. How Pharaoh responds is not Moses' responsibility, but God's responsibility. And the focus is entirely on a God who is in control of the situation. He has wise reasons for telling Moses to repeatedly go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, and it seems ineffective. 
God is going to bring Pharaoh down. He's bringing him down little by little and ultimately will bring him down with a great crash. We need to persevere in our Christian lives in doing the things that God calls us to do, whether it's our role in the life of the church, uh, whether it's teaching, whether it's helping, whether it's being a good witness um, in our workplace, in our school, uh, wherever we are. Because perseverance is the only way to have God's blessing and to be successful in what God calls us to do. Later on, this writer of Hebrews says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. You will receive his blessing. So Moses is coming into Pharaoh. He's being obedient. And the thing that's helping him is not only has he been pre-warned what Pharaoh is going to be like, he sees the invisible. How do you see the invisible? There's been a lot of talk about um, what these uh, new space explorations are seeing and then you get these wonderful pictures. And I think, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what it's really all about. It's about gas and matter or dark holes. Well, what on earth is all this about? I can see something. Doesn't have an doesn't have an iota of meaning to me. It is completely uh, uh, something I can't understand. Moses saw the invisible. Now we we can't see what that space telescope can see. Uh, our sight that far is limited. But Moses had a special insight into the will of God and the character of God. Now, this reference that seeing the invisible could possibly refer to Moses having the angel of the covenant, the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus, appear to him at the burning bush. We're not entirely sure of that. I suspect, really, it's more that Moses had this sense that wherever he was, the unseen God was with him. The God who appeared to him temporarily in the burning bush as the angel of the covenant was always there. And later on, the fiery cloud and pillar was a symbol of the presence of the living God that was always active and always at work and always there with his people. Moses was able to go into Pharaoh without fear because he saw a greater king, an invisible king, in his mind eyes. A sovereign God in complete control of the whole situation, of the heart of Pharaoh, of the hearts of the Egyptians, of the hearts of his fellow Israelites. He had an invisible but powerful means of support. King David wrote, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Faith's eye saw what the physical eye can't see, what's invisible. Sees that God is everywhere present, always at work, always faithful to his people. You uh, remember there was a time when in Elisha's time, the uh, people were um, surrounded in the city and uh, 
they were anxious and Elisha prayed for the servant he said O Lord open his eyes that he may see and the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha it was invisible to most but to the eye of faith that angelic guardianship was there and let me assure you that if you are called of God and there are situations that suddenly arise in your life that makes you fear remember that if you are doing the will of God and you are standing for the Lord there is that invisible presence with you controlling those around you and in your heart Moses had a clear distinct sense of the invisible power of God and that's what helps you and I persevere in our Christian lives in this secular 21st century world that's what gives us stability to know that God is with us the different doesn't, difference about fear or timidity doesn't lie in personalities but in faith we've got a little dog and she's a timid little thing and we've got our daughter at home with us we've had her for two days and our little dog still hides up from our daughter in spite of bribery in spite of all kinds of tricks and games to, to befriend her she's still got that fear we can't get that out of her it's a kind of it's in her breed but you and I might be naturally fearful people timid people but with the help of God we can overcome our fears through knowing how God is with us in his sovereign power that's the first thing uh, and we must hasten to the second thing Moses kept the Passover what does this mean? by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that he, so that he who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them so here is the first positive unfolding of God's plan for the deliverance of his people it's the last of the ten plagues it uh, brought about the destruction of all the firstborn males of men and animal who did not believe God but it provided a way of salvation for those who did believe God and who sacrificed the lamb uh, took the hyssop dipped it in the blood daubed the blood on their doorposts and lintels and those houses were protected when the angel of death came by the angel of death only went to houses where there was no blood on the doorpost Moses was given this instruction it seemed a very strange instruction to give the people of God as the beginning of the way of their deliverance God was giving a scenario with no evidence that this was going to bring about their safety and salvation. But no, Moses and the believing people believed that this was God's will and they had known enough of God to trust to do this. And they obeyed the Passover instructions. And all of those believing homes had their firstborn son 
saved from death. Of course, for us, it's a symbolic act as we look back on a historic event. And it was to teach the people of Israel that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Sin is so serious that it demands eternal death, separation from God, both physical and spiritual and eternal. And it's to drive home to them that a life must be given for a life. Greater love, said Jesus, has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that is exactly what Jesus was doing when he came. He was being the Lamb of God. He was taking the guilt to save all who trust in his precious blood. And Moses and the people of Israel uh, provided this lamb. They followed completely accurately all that God asked them to do. By faith he kept the Passover, and the Hebrew scholars tell us that it actually implies that it was being established as a lasting ordinance to be followed year after year. Moses believed that the provision of God was for a lamb to be slain. We believe that our way to find forgiveness and acceptance and peace with God is through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so valuable. It's priceless. The blood of the Lord Jesus deals with the worst sins. The blood of the Lord Jesus deals with the worst characters. We live in a very unforgiving world. There's been some debate recently about social media, how it almost seems if you've, once you've said something on social media that is, that is not liked, you, there's no way of redemption. But for Christians, we know there is a way of redemption from whatever lays in our past, whatever we've done, however we are today, whatever we've been like. Blood of all Jesus has paid the most deepest price and that gives us peace with God so many people although there are many who don't believe that we should ever feel guilty about anything there are still others that are very sensitive very conscience stricken people there are many people like that today and they become quite depressed because they don't know how to deal with their guilt they don't know how to make recompense for something they've done. They maybe have done something dreadful when they were young, or not so bad when they're young. But their conscience keeps reminding themselves, and oh, if only they could turn the clock back and put things right. None of us can turn the clock back. But we can know that God forgives us. We can know that God loves the lost world so much that he sent his one and only son to seek and to save the lost like us and to die for them and pay the price they owe to God so that rather than be lost in the world and have no meaning and no hope, we can know that there is a God who loves us and cherishes us and he's paid such a price in giving us his son. Moses kept the Passover and that is a, an element that these people needed to, res, to, to remember. They're going to read this letter they're Jewish Christians, most of the, read, the first readers in this letter. They, they've been uh, 
opposed by their own people. Their own people think you've got to keep making sacrifices to get God's blessing. And, and, and this writer of the Hebrews is reminding them, it's not the sacrifice, it's the faith that the sacrifice symbolises that saves. As a relative of mine who's got mental health problems and he can't go to the Church of England at the moment and he likes the Church of England because he can take communion he's got this in his head that taking Holy Communion at the parish church somehow does him good but his relationship with the Lord and his relationship with his family and his relationship with the Lord's people is not what it should be. What he needs is a transforming faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that deals with his sin, the symbolic act of taking a communion, of eating a piece of bread and wine. That's not transformative. The faith in what it symbolises, the finished work of the Lord Jesus, is what transforms us and gives us peace and confidence with God. Finally, third thing is, by faith Moses led through the Red Sea. By faith. They were facing an alarming situation. So Moses is leading them out. They, they, they're following Moses and uh, they get out uh, of inhabited Egypt and, and then behind them is Pharaoh's army bent on revenge and there's the mountains one side and the uncrossable waters of the Red Sea. They seem trapped. And they say to Moses, is it because there was no grace in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? That's how they were so fear-struck. That's how awesome and dangerous the situation they saw they were in. But what does Moses say? Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which you will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. They couldn't see a way out. Maybe Moses didn't know how it was going to happen. But he knew God was going to make a way. There was a... During the uh, pandemic, I don't know whether I could have chosen it here, there was a hymn that kept um, going through my mind. He will make a way when there seems no way. Well, you may know that. Uh, really got in my head a few months ago. It's an American singer. Isn't it wonderful when we come to situations where I don't know how we're going to get out of it? Where's it going to end up? Where's it going to end up? Moses was so confident that God had called the people that far. He'd deliver them so far. And he was going to bring them out. That took faith. To start walking when the water was still there. It's only when they moved forward that the waters went back. Sometimes it's only when you and I venture in faith to do something we feel God is calling us to do, that God makes the way clear and he brings us forward and he helps us and guides us. The venture of faith. 
people had God's wonderful deliverance and the Egyptians as we know perished why was the writer writing this in the first place to these Christians he was writing it to them because they needed to believe that God could do the impossible they got the hardened hearts of their Jewish relatives they got the pagan society with the kind of beliefs that are rife in modern 21st century Western Europe today all around them and uh, they were in such difficulty they got the Roman emperor requiring emperor worship and some of them were beginning to pay for their lives for not saying Caesar is Lord how are they going to escape and get through well the same way that the people of God came through the Red Sea God made the way and God makes a way for his people he makes a way for you and me in every generation and the test of faith is to step forward trusting the Lord with all our concerns and all our need this is the message of Moses this morning I guess we could say our culture is the kind of Egypt that Moses came out of of many gods and for many people Christian faith is unacceptable but Moses was a a trailblazer Moses was a man of faith and a man of action and a man who proved God because he believed God's promises and when he believed and acted in faith God was with him and God rewarded him God can do more than we can either ask or imagine and we've always got to remember that we've always got to remember that Moses had this sense of the invisible God around him we've got to remember that Moses realised the value of being reconciled to God people were reconciled to God by their faith and act in a sacrifice that was symbolic but atoned for sin and you and I have faith that gives us peace and gives us hope and it's all in Jesus Jesus was the one who appeared to Moses at the fiery bush. Jesus is the one who's still with you and me today as we trust in him. May we take heart from the word of God, but may we also take warning if we're not reconciled to God this morning, because this is the living God we're talking about, the one who is sovereign, And the one who not only saves, but also judges. And therefore we need a saviour.